Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Deciding what items your baby might need can be overwhelming. But when it came to choosing the perfect pushchair to keep my little one safe, secure, and comfortable, I turned straight to Bugaboo. Now their range is beautifully designed, easy to use, built to last. In fact, I know that I will definitely be passing mine down to friends and family in years to come. You can even customize your bugaboo by mixing and matching the colors of the canopy, fabrics and base color. To find out more about bugaboo and their product range, visit bugaboo.com. Hello and thank you so much for tuning in to Food for Thought, a podcast on a mission to equip you with all the evidence-based advice that you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, best-selling author of Renourish, A Simple Way to Eat Well and founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic. In each episode, I'll be joined by special guests, all of whom can be considered authoritative voices in health, so that together we can learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with trusted expert advice. Children need nutritious food every day to grow healthy and strong, yet feeding them and especially a newborn can be an around-the-clock commitment. It's also an opportunity to begin forming the closest bond with the newest member of the family. Now, the biggest challenge is feeding patterns, as they can be very unpredictable. And with everyone having their own opinion as to how best to feed their baby and supermarket shelves stocked high with different formulas and foods, it can be really confusing. This week's Food for Thought sees registered nutritionist Charlotte Sterling-Reed share exactly what, when and how to feed your baby. Hello, Charlotte. Hello, thank you for having me on. Absolute pleasure. Well, it's nice to have you on again, which is good. So we had you in, I think it was series two, Mm -hmm. talking about pregnancy. Yeah, pregnancies. But we're we're talking more about the fact that we're feeding, starting off life with a newborn. I mean, does Mm -hmm. everybody have a different preference about birth let's say does every baby have a different outlook after birth on the way they're raised I think it's really difficult to say I guess you know I think that's one thing that I talk about throughout 
all of my um, kind of advice is that babies are different. You know, your birth will be different. The way you cope after birth will be different to somebody else. You know, um, the way that your baby responds to milk or food or breastfeeding or whatever it is, it's just always different. And I think, you know, you can't really plan for a lot of that. So some parts of it are kind of getting your research in, getting your confidence up. And then the other part of it is going with the flow. (laughs) Yeah, going with the flow. And obviously it's a very big unknown area. And for anyone listening, that's maybe going to be a parent to be soon mm-hmm. or you're already a new parent I'm sure you're experiencing all sorts of highs and lows Absolutely. on a daily basis mm. so at what point then would you say you should start weaning your baby well, that's a good question um it's actually quite controversial because you know we've talked before about different countries have different guidelines around things and um, but in the UK you know fairly recently we've updated our guidance to say that we recommend babies start introducing their food solid foods around six months so although that has been the case in the UK for quite a long time now we've recently kind of made it very very clear so we do tend to say around six months of age is an appropriate time to start introducing solids to a baby yeah and I've obviously heard of stories where some mums are like oh I just I just knew my baby was ready and perhaps they start at five months I mean is that detrimental so no it's a good question and again you know I think that when we talk about guidance we have to realize that it is guidance for everybody whereas children as we've said they are so different and I think it's really important to remember they reach milestones at different times so some babies crawl really early some don't crawl at all um, some babies you know start walking early or talking early and it's exactly the same with weaning some babies might be ready earlier than six months um, if you do feel that before six months your baby's ready it's really good to have a chat with a healthcare professional um, because ultimately you want to be looking out for signs that they are ready so regardless of age yes looking to as close to six months as possible that's why we say around Mm. Um, but looking out for signs that baby is ready is a better kind of indication of whether they'll be able to take and accept those solid foods right so what would those key signs I suppose be so lots of signs kind of get thrown about online um, and I would say that you know things like baby paying attention to food baby chewing fists baby being interested in watching you eating those definitely might indicate an interest but they also can be other things so it might just be part of their developmental process signs that we're really looking out for is the fact that babies should be able to sit up with limited support or minimal support hold their head and neck steady they should be able to see food reach out pick it up and put it in their mouth all by themselves and then last but not least they should be able to swallow food so less of a tongue thrust reflex so if you Mm. put your finger on the bottom of your baby's lip and their tongue comes really far out it means they might not be quite ready and you might see them doing that with foods as soon as they start to get more ready around six months of age that tongue thrust starts to diminish and you'll see they'll be able to take more food in than they spit out basically Gosh, there's three so signs. Many. Yeah, good a good <laughs> amount of three signs. And I mean, I guess a question that I'm sure lots of listeners are probably thinking is what about the quantities of the food? I mean, how how much attention should you be giving to that mm. as well at the beginning? And that's a question that parents really do have mm. on their lips. They are always wanting to know how much. 
Now, ultimately, first of all, I would say at the very start, you're starting with tiny amounts, you know, a couple of spoonfuls given to baby and just see what happens. Some babies take to food right away and will go, yep, give me that and I'll have more. And other babies are a bit reluctant, so it can take them a good few weeks before they even start taking those couple of spoonfuls. So again, individual, what does your baby want? But just remember that there are no portion size guides with babies and they are very good at their own appetite regulation. So as long as you set up and establish a nice routine for them, allow them to decide how much they want at those mealtimes. And that's the baby-led weaning, isn't it? Just the fact that you should really be paying attention to recognising that they can regulate themselves. If only we still re- retain that as human mm. beings. The Completely. Ability. It's, it's really easy to override those internal cues of, you know, yes, I'm hungry, yes, I'm full. But children are born being able to self-regulate. And, you know, there's a lot of research looking into self-regulation around milk um, but it's also very true around food so yes it is the concept of um, you know we call it responsive feeding and it's this idea of being responsive to your baby's cue so if they are holding their mouth open and suggesting they want more allow them to have more if they're clamping their mouth shut turning their head away um, you know and I've seen this happen time and time again stop the meal you know try try not to coax or force or pressure your baby to take more than they want because you're going to be overriding their internal signal and exactly as you say that's just not what we want no and I think it can really help develop probably unhealthy eating patterns for your child growing up the more that we try and stick to this rigid Mm. perhaps even time frame but what about the variety as well because we Mm. talk about variety for gut health and adults but Of course, for a baby starting out, surely you want a lot. Completely. Variety is so, so key. I see lots of kind of other nutritionists and dietitians. I think it's really popular in America to do this kind of 100 foods before one, which I really love. I definitely (laughs) didn't count them myself, but variety is everything. So the more foods your baby is exposed to when they're younger, the more likely they are to, um, you know, develop really wide and versatile eating patterns as they get older. So, you know, we quite often, you know, so often I speak to parents who will say well I started off with baby rice for the first couple of weeks which is fine but obviously variety is what we want so if you are starting off with whatever it is just think you know multiple different vegetables multiple different fruits even if it may sound odd to us the combination it doesn't matter for a baby does it so you can be out there definitely they don't have (laughs) perceived ideas they don't expect like a Michelin star um, put together meal you know it is just about experimenting and some of those tastes your baby will go and spit out and others of them they'll gobble up and that's okay if they spit some out it doesn't mean they don't like it it just might be new or a surprise so keep up the variety and honestly one of my biggest tips is always variety if you've got a fussy eater vary how much they're having if you're worried about how what your little one's eating don't worry just vary the foods because ultimately you know same as for adults that's what's key I mean just because we wouldn't have stereotypically for breakfast I don't know aubergine and and oats who knows maybe for a child that was a very a random example (laughs) no but it's a perfect example because yeah absolutely do it a child won't know and what about the puree debate because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that don't even want to go to purees now which i've been hearing Mm -hmm. a lot about but equally they're everywhere and it could be very 
actually beneficial? Yeah, so this is a big debate. And actually, I, I do love talking about this question because um, some parents are real advocates of the baby led where you simply just start with pieces of food and you allow your little one to feed themselves um, and just kind of go with the flow. And that's fine. But also there is another approach, which is the fact that you can also offer foods off of a spoon. Um, you know, you can start with thin purees initially and then get those thicker and thicker. So babies experiencing a wide variety of textures. If baby is under six months when you start, I would always say to start with a puree mm. or a, or a something off of a spoon because babies might not yet have quite the dexterity to be able to deal with larger, harder textures of food. Mm. But if you do start with a puree, that's fine. But at six months, you really can start thinking more about mashing rather than blending. You don't want necessarily liquidy foods from six months. It needs to be a little bit of texture in there, ideally. I mean, you mentioned, of course, yeah, the baby baby's dexterity but even the development I think a lot of people forget that your child is growing so of course their digestive tract and everything Mm. else are changing surely at that time so what really happens internally when you start to feed your baby actual food what are the key changes that someone would notice Mm. or a parent well the thing is you might not notice much I mean you know between four and six months their digestive system their immune system is really starting to develop so that they are able to start accepting foods when they get to around six months it's one of the reasons why we say that a sign of them being ready is them being able to sit up um, you know because you want them to have their digestive system so that they it's all all in one line essentially they can sit up they can concentrate not necessarily on keeping their trunk steady but instead of that their trunk is nice and steady because they can sit up they can use their hands to pick up food and they can concentrate on the movement of those hands and learning that kind of coordination um, is that all the throwing of things yeah <laughs> lobbing the food at your hair and on the floor but yeah I mean you would you wouldn't necessarily notice anything as a parent you obviously they're bowels will change and that's something I get so many parents write to me and say I've just started weaning and my baby's completely changed you know the way that they poo essentially and that's really normal you know you're yeah. adding something totally new to their digestive system um, so but poo you will know, change it will change it will become much more adult like yeah much more smelly <laughs> much more you know lots of different colors you'll see in there so and that is all completely normal yeah which I think will reassure <laughs> a lot of parents if you suddenly gone from I don't know greeny colored poop to um the, the, sweet uh, corn or something sweet corn, <laughs> yeah the classic the classic one i mean and what about growth do you, mm. would some parents see a growth spurt maybe at this time as well yeah it's a good question again you know babies one of the reasons why um babies are so individual and we can't say this is how much they need to eat at this age is the fact that they all grow and develop at different rates as well um you know the first year and then the first and the second year are the most significant periods of growth I think in the first year babies something like triple their birth weight in that first year so they are growing so much and the majority of brain development also happens in the first couple of years of life so it's a really significant period of growth that whole time which is why food and nutrition and even stimulation and what you're doing with your baby is so significant Um, but they will all grow at different times you may very well see them start to have a growth spurt and you will probably notice that by the fact that they will want to eat a lot more food Mm. so that's another reason why go with their appetite regulation if they don't want food and they're not fancying it it might just be that they're not growing they're not feeling well they're tired but if all of a sudden you're noticing my god I cannot fill you up it might just be they're having a growth spurt and they need the extra and alongside I mean this is so informative and so useful and I think again 
everyone's unique babies are unique that's something that we should Completely. be should be hammering home and with breastfeeding or of course formula whichever the parent has decided or is able to do at that time that would continue perhaps alongside yeah absolutely so we used to ref- well we still do refer to it as weaning but actually um, some bodies prefer you not to call it weaning because weaning is associated with weaning baby off of milk mm. um, whereas actually no w- milk is still really important and right up until a year and beyond if you're breastfeeding um, milk is still recommended to make a significant contribution to baby's diet the only thing is as you go through the weaning journey and as baby moves from one milk to two meals to three meals and start to eat bigger amounts you probably will see the amount of milk they take to really gradually and really naturally start to decline um so it doesn't happen quickly it's not like six months they have food and no milk they still have milk alongside Mm. it's called complementary feeding so it's essentially um food to fill the gap between nutrient and energy needs that milk can't uh, on its own provide anymore i mean some of my clients do night feeds Mm -hmm. after having a day of solid foods Mm -hmm. But when would you say, because this again, I think there's so many controversial areas. So many. And it's only purely, I think we need to reiterate, we never come from a place of judgment on this podcast. It's just purely sharing information, just having a chat. But when would you say would be the cutoff point in terms of stopping an extra feed alongside, I mean, is it one? Is it two? Is it three? This this is the... um, Good question. So in, ter- so in terms of when would you, you know, would start to intentionally reduce your feeds? Yeah, that's a good question. And honestly, parents really struggle with it. Yeah. But there's no definitive answer, as with everything. There's mm. no definitive answer. It's really about your baby's own pace. It's about, um, you know, trying to work out. Um, basically, what I normally say is structure your baby's day as much as you can. So you've got routines around things like sleep, um, around the, when they, you offer them solid food, and roughly around when they're milk feeding as well. Once you've got that nice structure in place, you can start to really build on those foods. Some babies take to foods right away and will just be like, Do you know what, I'm not that bothered with milk but because milk's still important I always say keep offering it if baby's not taking much add it into baby's food Um, but other babies will still rely a bit more on milk so Mm. it really does vary I would say NHS essentially say that at about seven months of age, babies should be having a roughly around 600 mils. And at 10 months, that drops to more like 400. Mm. So you can see there's that kind of three months where there's a natural decline. And I would be saying if your baby is um, still having a huge amount of milk at, at 10 months, you mm. might want to think about dropping a feed. But go at baby's own pace ultimately yeah this, this is the thing that you really have to um follow your baby a little bit as well completely and nutrition's obviously our jam mm-hmm. what, what are the things that parents oh i hate using this word but i'm going to use it for the sake of getting the information out there what should they avoid when when mm-hmm. weaning okay yeah good question um yeah there are some foods to avoid i mean you're absolutely right um in in you know day-to-day general information we don't like to talk about avoid Avoiding food unless no. it is, you know, poisonous. Yeah. But when it comes to babies, there are some foods you need to avoid. So obviously alcohol and caffeine should not be given to babies. <laughs> I <please>. hope. <laughs> um, but also salt and sugar. So um, mm. babies do not need added salt or free sugars. They do not need um, those in their diet because they will get more than enough um, from, you know, the rest of the diet that they can have. Um, they have really, really minimal amounts of salt and sugar that they need to have in their diet. So keeping added salt and added sugar off the menu is really important. What would be the worst thing that would happen if if you see a child at that young age having extreme amounts, I suppose, but... 
unwittingly. Well, for example, salt. I mean, it does happen, you know. We have heard really extreme cases where babies have been very unwell from things like having too much salt. Their kidneys just aren't able Mm. to deal with large amounts of salt. And also with sugar, you know, first of all, it's about developing tastes. So babies might develop a preference and a taste for those kind of flavours and and you're likely for them to, you know, give them a broccoli after they've had a bit of Haribo and it's just not going to go down well. Not Mm. not that you should ever be giving babies Haribo. Um, but you know it's it's just about really setting up preferences and making sure they're not over consuming you know yeah. those there will be salt in things so some breakfast cereals you know some pastas well, even bread some children's products and children's products we yeah. were both um, looking at a post that we saw online um, recently looking mm. at labelling on food mm. and how difficult it can actually be for parents to tell some items will be labelled as natural yeah. or good for you or veggie sticks for instance and yeah. maybe they're not full of veg or any Completely. of it Completely. <laughs> do you know what I've been having this conversation all day from sharing that post with parents who were just you know really worried I think about the labelling but I, I'd say the most important thing is try and give your baby foods that you cook from home obviously that's the ideal but you know we know that convenience foods are fine every now and then um, you know the baby pouches yes absolutely if you are out on the go in a rush then they are fine but just try and be a bit savvy do do your research check back a pack and ultimately check that ingredient list because you know you want to have a look at that if you see salt and sugar on an ingredients list on food for baby put it back that's that's what i would say that's the best advice ever Mm -hmm. i mean all too often you see parents getting in a bit of trouble because the preference their baby has gone for often it's sweet as well isn't it i think Mm -hmm. a lot of the fruit pouches at a very early age Mm -hmm. so would you recommend trying to go for more veggie based things earlier on definitely so I'm a massive advocate of veg led weaning Um, I love the concept of starting off with veggies Mm. continuing to offer veggies through the rest of their weaning journey um, and just offer them in real variety Um, I'm a real advocate of it and I think we've always been kind of programmed to start babies off with sweet things like baby rice which is fairly sweet and often has added sweetness to it as well rice pudding I suppose yeah yeah, sometimes (laughs) yeah Um, also you know things like apple puree pear puree super sweet super sweet you know think of like apple sauce it really is and that's what we've been offering babies but babies are born with a preference for sweet food and the way I look at it is they don't need light they don't need any help to accept those tastes but they do need help to accept more sour bitter and umami flavors so for me weaning is all about a journey of teaching them to like new foods Mm. so I say start with bitter and savoury veggies and then just start to build in all the other food groups including sweeter options like sweet potatoes and carrots and strawberries and cherries around that and it's important even for anyone listening that we classify sweet potatoes and carrots as quite a sweet type of vegetable Mm -hmm. or food anyway Mm -hmm. because it can be confusing so for any parent listening that's has the luxury now of starting from scratch. Do mm-hmm. you take that advice? But what about for someone who started off perhaps unwittingly on a more fruit-heavy diet yeah. and now yeah. they're finding, oh, yeah. they're Struggling not wanting the veg? Well, I, I get parents write to me every day about that. I just, you know, so often they'll write and they say, I think I've messed up my baby. Oh. And I'm like, no, you absolutely haven't. You know, so many babies have been weaned on apple puree initially and they're absolutely fine please don't worry um, but the main thing I would say is it's never too late to start ha- trying to help them to alter some of those taste preferences if babies are very used to sweet tastes it's you know they are going to have a preference so they're going to choose those over others it's simply about trying to expand their palate so 
just keep adding in those more savoury and bitter flavours well. isn't it and role modelling let them see you eating some broccoli because then they're more likely to go okay I'll try some broccoli it won't happen overnight I promise you but it's this kind of persistence consistent approach lots of role modelling just subtly adding those foods in without raising the attention or taking away the other food it's all just about a gentle gradual approach and if you're a parent to be this is a question I'm sure again you get all the time Charlotte but if you are being persistent say you're on try number seven or try Mm -hmm. number eight at something and then you're worried your baby was going to go without because Mm -hmm. what do you Mm -hmm. do do you cave in and give them the sweet thing that you know they Mm -hmm. will eat or do you just go without it's a really tough one so yeah uh, uh, when it comes to alternatives and young babies well I would say that you know Again, you have to try and go with their appetite. So you have to try and look at the context of the situation. Is my baby refusing this food because they do not like it? They genuinely don't like it. And if that is the case, then it might be worthwhile offering that food alongside other foods that you know your baby does like. Um, it's not to say that, you know, they, they probably won't eat it, but maybe the next time they will, and at least you know they won't go hungry. Um, but, but ultimately, if it's not to do with the fact that they don't like it or it's new, they're just, you know, having a tantrum or they're just not fancying food that day then that should that's okay it's all again about listening to their own signs so we do recommend especially in older children and toddlers not offering alternatives because as soon as you offer that alternative they're going to be like aha next time I'm given this I just say no and I'll get some <laughs> Weetabix instead you know or porridge or whatever it is that's the alternative um, and not that that's a problem to offer those foods but offering alternatives just teaches them I'll just refuse that honestly I've had some families who make six or seven meals before their child goes yeah okay I'll accept this one you know poor mum's exhausted she's made all these different meals the little one's not eating the same as the rest of the family so you know I have so much information on my website about trying to deal with things like food refusal so and there's you know I could I could literally do a podcast on that alone yeah so. <laughs> yeah I mean it must be one of the most common mm. and most frustrating parts Completely. of parenthood And I know I have it all to come as well. So thank goodness I'm armed with the tools. But it doesn't make the emotional grief almost for a parent when Mm. you can't make your child happy in that moment. Mm. There must be a lot to deal with. So do you have any recommendations on the best things they can make at home? What types Mm -hmm. of food would good Mm. meals to start so yeah I'm a real big advocate as well of kind of family foods and eating together Um, you know again traditionally we always yes in the early days you will want to give them maybe things like start off with single taste of veggies but then after they've kind of had those and they're getting on with eating it really is about just trying to expose them to your own family foods and family eating the more that you can bring them to the table let them see you eating your foods and let them have even if it's just a part of it it doesn't have to be the whole lot um, but let them eat the kinds of foods that you're eating and be really familiar with seeing you have a stick of broccoli or you know some salmon with some pasta you know they will honestly they observe everything they're Mm. little sponges and they will pick up on the fact that oh mummy has that pasta I've seen her eating the salmon Mm. I've watched the way that she puts it in her mouth and I'm learning all the time from watching you eat so the main thing I would say is what do you eat as a family 
bring that to the table for your baby avoid the salt avoid any added sugar don't go you know crazy with really hot spices but small amounts of spices absolutely fine in baby's food once they've had those first tastes so what do you eat as a family how can you adapt that so that your baby's going to have something similar to you that's That's what I'd be saying the best tip because I think a lot of people isolate the baby sometimes whereas actually like Mm. you said if they're modeling and they're just learning from what mum and dad do then they are watching they are looking all the time exactly and you'll be a perfect role model we as well like you know your so. little one will be sitting next to you be watching all your yeah. beautiful dinners you'll well, be fine fingers crossed this, <laughs> you'll is, this is probably the stereotype that, that people expect the nutritionist no. to have the perfect baby I, I really really do believe that it is often you know obviously I work with Joe and mm. he's the same you know his little girl is as absolutely loves her food and it's because he's a real foodie yeah. you know I really most of the time I find that parents who are foodies who love their food who eat a really balanced diet it does have a knock-on effect because your little one will just automatically role model what you do and they'll see your excitement around food you know Rafi sometimes I put food in front of him and he goes (laughs) and I'm just like oh yes I love it because he loves his food he goes through phases where he doesn't I promise you but um, you know over time he really just has loved his food I mean that's so wonderful to hear and I think one of the the big fears um, I'm just going to be honest and set out here but I'm sure other people can relate is when you leave your baby with someone else Mm, so would you advise parents prep the food themselves to give to someone else and Mm. do you put a a list of rules in place because for all you know this someone else may not know about this salt Mm. and sugar and yeah absolutely different generations had different ways of feeding god you know what my mother-in-law was around last night and she told me that her um, her mother-in-law had given my husband when he was a baby um, a bottle of tea and <gasps> sugar I was like oh my god I can't go wow but it's so common it is a really really big stress for parents and I have heard some horrendous examples of where you know that kind of respect isn't there and they just do whatever they want it does happen and I definitely uh, you know like to try and address this but the main thing I say is communication yeah. I think getting in there early so that it's not wham bam as soon as you offered food right here's a list of your rules maybe start that conversation early talk about things like oh I heard today that this is really important for children I heard today that diet is so important listen to this podcast listen to this podcast by (laughs) nutrition it's fascinating how important it is completely but get in early so that you're not starting kicking off by going boom 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 here's your instructions and I would say give food ideas you know let them see what you're feeding baby because you know sometimes parents will think what on earth your baby's having pasta with salmon and avocado but actually if they see your baby eating it and coping with it they might go okay you know they like it they're enjoying it um so let them see that happening once you do introduce the food to them share as much research information as you can with them and if you are worried then yeah I mean packing packing something and saying here's the food for them all for the day you don't need to worry about it taking the trouble for you um there we go yeah I think that's (laughs) especially for lots of people that perhaps aren't big fans of cooking in the kitchen as well completely and If we move on to the subject of baby sickness, Mm -hmm. so baby's been sick around feeding time, could you Mm -hmm. explain why this happens pretty often and should a parent keep on feeding throughout this? So do you mean genuinely, um, you know, eating food and vomiting essentially? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And even if we actually, let's reverse that question and go Mm -hmm. right back to 
baby sickness during breast milk feeding mm-hmm. and then move on to when you're actually weaning. Feeding. Yeah. So in terms of during breastfeeding, it does seem some babies, you know, we often hear them referred to as like sickly, but sicky babies. Some babies just do have more of a, a reflux than others. So they find it a bit more difficult to keep down milk. Um, there is a, a part of our anatomy that kind of closes off. And when some babies, that's just not very pronounced. So actually they're more likely to spit milk up. Um, you know, it can actually be really difficult for parents sometimes. Sometimes babies do it and they are in pain as a result of it. So I would always be saying try and get medical support. You know, talk to a doc- doctor, talk to a GP. If you're not pleased with the advice you're getting, get, mm. you know, get help. Because quite often it is easy for you to be, you know, oh, you've just got a sicky baby. Off off you go. But they're not um, getting the milk and in. They're not, yeah, completely. They might not be getting, oh, they might be in pain or, you know, they might not be getting, yeah, enough in the way of food. So definitely, definitely get medical advice on that. Health visitors, GPs should be able to support you. When it comes to food, Food, definitely in the early days, you might find some ba- babies have a gag reflex that's much further forward than us as adults. Um, and as you move throughout um, the, we- the weaning journey and baby gets more confident with food, that gag reflex just starts to internalise. It, it gets a bit lower, but that just isn't quite so pronounced. Um, some babies have a very sensitive gag reflex and if they get anything in their mouth, even a puree, they may vomit and they may be sick. Um, what I would say is it's really important to check those signs that your baby's mm. ready. Make sure you really do think your baby's developmentally ready and that they can take those solid foods or those purees. Um, just also be, be be aware that there's no allergies. So that's why when we recommend introducing allergen foods, it's one at a time. And Very ideally important. leave a few days in between each one. So other foods, you don't need to offer them one at a time. Once you've done your first food taste, you can you know, you can offer, let's say, carrot and sweet potato in one day, fine. Any of the allergens like dairy foods um like nuts or or sorry nut butters or ground nuts like fish you would definitely be recommending introduce one at a time and leave a couple of days gap so that if baby is sick or if there's any other response you can you know almost immediately be able to tell hopefully that it was a reaction it may not be in a family it may be something that mum doesn't have dad doesn't have and you could have a dairy intolerant child even though both parents aren't i believe it's more common for children to have an allergy when there isn't, they aren't necessarily at risk. Um, it, it, we don't really know. It's a really, really big question. But yeah, there does seem to be quite. It does seem to be quite common at the moment for um, lots of cow's milk protein allergies. Some allergies babies grow out of. So, for example, things like cow's milk protein um, and egg allergy, babies do tend to grow out of. But you need to see a registered dietitian or a specialist in allergen who will walk you through the process of things like reintroduction. Yeah, um, these home test kits and worryingly I've had a few parents DM me about home test kits really yeah for allergies for children which Mm. is quite concerning yeah so there is no legitimate way is there for doing that you need to take them to see a health professional absolutely and I would be saying even more than that you know I've I've been talking about allergies a lot I've been working with a couple of really brilliant dietitians who specialize in this field um so I've been talking about it quite a lot on my profile and I've had lots and lots of questions but the one thing I would really stress is that actually Actually, and you know, don't get me wrong, I always praise GPs and I would always say go and see, but actually there is quite a lot of new advice on allergies recently and I've been getting a lot of feedback that healthcare professionals are not quite up to date on the allergen advice. So if you have concerns, if you feel your baby is at risk, if they have severe eczema um, or if they have a current allergy, I would 100% be saying see your GP and ask for a referral to a specialist. You need to try and see a specialist, whether that be an allergy 
allergy dietitian um, or whether that be an, an allergenist who works in you know in the NHS don't do it at home don't self-diagnose um, you know don't reintroduce foods that your baby has had an allergy to go and see someone who will yeah. hold your hand and talk you through all your next steps yeah solid advice and like you say <laughs> it's not it's not that we don't respect different healthcare Absolutely professionals not. it's just times are changing and we're so mm. fortunate to have all this different information yeah. now aren't we We've and the allergy stuff is really really recent you know and I have had a lot of parents come to me saying that their GPs have told them they shouldn't be introducing allergens till 12 months plus but actually that is the opposite the advice is that we should be trying to get allergens in early before 12 months of age um, so if your baby's at risk go and see a GP as early as you can and, and get some help to, to start that introduction basically such <laughs> invaluable advice Charlotte completely no it's 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 so important because it's one of the big worrying factors that parents can find and I think mm. If we do delve into a few of the key nutrients, let's say, mm-hmm. for a child to be looking out for. Mm-hmm. So there's been a lot of talk that we both know about um, dairy-free diets mm-hmm. in general with a rise on... Um, now, remember, plant-based is not the same as vegan. To everyone mm-hmm. listening, they're very different things. But plant-based is a reduction, quite a big reduction compared mm-hmm. to usual of animal produce mm-hmm. and dairy. Yeah, completely, yeah. So for a parent wanting to... Um, I know we what's the word instead of wean we're going to reintroduce oh, or yeah doing complementary feeding yeah, or complimentary introducing solids feeding. yeah but weaning's fine weaning's like, fine even the podcast. NHS do use it so we're fine, fine. so <laughs> when you are weaning or yeah. complementary feeding or whatever you want to call it for a parent that doesn't want to feed their child mm-hmm. dairy it's a sustainability choice mm-hmm. ethical many many different reasons today or animal produce what are the key nutrients mm-hmm. and how are they going to get those yes Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Good question. So there is, it seems to be really common, you know, and I am absolutely sitting here saying, I'm absolutely sitting here saying that if you do decide to give your baby a plant-based diet, a vegetarian diet or a vegan diet, you can do that successfully. Yeah. But it does take a lot more planning and it does take a lot more work and focus on some of those nutrients. Yeah. So some of those nutrients on a vegan diet you absolutely will need to look at include vitamin B12, which you can only get from animal foods. And there's a lot of, so there's a lot of talk about 
about vitamin B12. And we mm-hmm. did a whole episode um, on actual vegan diets with a dietitian. And she reiterated the same thing that, guys, no matter what a Netflix documentary said, you're not going to get B12 from your vegetables. Mm-hmm. No, completely. There's a lot of myths about yeah. where it comes from. Yeah. And the vegan society themselves, you know, say take a B12 supplement. I think the vegan society recommend a B12 supplement for the general population anyway. But if you aren't eating meat or dairy foods, you are going to be very, very limited and very unlikely to be able to get enough B12. So B12, um, you know, you can get that in fortified foods. Um, some A lot of the dairy alternatives do include fortified um, B12. Mm. Um, but also you might need to consider a supplement for baby. Um, also iodine, you know, we We've talked about iodine before. Mm. Iodine is another thing that comes mainly from fish and white fish and from dairy products. If your baby doesn't have either of those in their diet, you need to think of another source of iodine. And again, it's probably likely that it's going to have to be fortification um, or tough. supplements. There are, yeah, it, yeah, it would just be supplementing yeah. or a highly fortified product. And product, yeah. they're only just beginning to be mm. putting iodine in, aren't they? Completely. Well, I mean, if baby is having formula milk, they will be getting iodine in there. And if baby has your milk and you have enough iodine in your diet they will get iodine from Mm. you too but it's very very difficult to tell if if baby is getting enough um so i would be saying yes you probably need to look at supplementing if your baby is vegan not having animal products no fish no dairy i think supplementing um you know again some foods are fortified but absolutely plant milks it's it's hairy some of them are some of them aren't um omega-3 would need to think about if your little mm. one doesn't have fish then you need to think about um about getting omega-3 in the diet and that can come from things like ground walnuts um flax seeds and flaxseed oil um you know again ground chia, chia seeds as well um are a good source of that but um you know and these are foods that you can offer to your little one if they're in the appropriate form um but you would need to be offering them quite regularly in a well, it's just so important diet. i mean yeah. omega-3 and iodine both affect cognition mm-hmm. to some degree yeah so it's your baby's brain development. Absolutely. And I feel like there isn't enough information out there discussing this. And do you know what? There probably isn't enough research no. looking into it either and the significance of it. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting field. But definitely, I think yeah. those are some nutrients I'd so absolutely So we've got B12, B12 iodine, iodine, omega-3. omega-3. Also, iron, you know, um, iron is one that's talked about a lot. Iron's very important. And if you're on a vegan or vegetarian diet, then it can be harder to absorb iron from some of those sources. However, I think there's a bit of a misleading you know, that you can't get iron on a, on a vegetarian, but you can. You know, there are lots of foods like, for example, red lentils and green mm. lentils, beans, some nut butters and, and ground nuts that are good sources of iron. Um, egg yolk's also a really good source of iron too. So if your baby eats eggs, then that's another option. And should they have it with vitamin C? Yeah, so there is, again, there's some research that suggests that if you combine um, vitamin C at the same meal, and um, that it can enhance absorption of iron. Um, but there there is there is a bit of a question if that is a if that has an impact over the long term. Mm. However, it definitely I would say if you are you know most of us would hopefully be combining you know our veg in the evening we'll have vitamin C in it. Broccoli is a great source of veg. Fruits and vegetables you know if you're combining that in your little one's diet along with things like lentils and beans and pulses and chickpeas or hummus or maybe tahini um, you know those are all great sources of iron. So include those. Include some iron, uh, some vitamin C with them and hopefully you're you're winning (laughs) i mean invaluable advice again and i think it just goes to show because 
often the signs of a deficiency could not show for a long time. Mm-hmm. And that's the worrying thing. And it's or very, ever. Or ever. You know, things like IQ. Yeah. There's a lot of research with iodine and IQ. Mm. You you might not, you're not going to know the difference if your baby has you know two IQ points more when they're twenty. Mm-hmm. How would you ever know? So no. a lot of it's invisible, isn't it? Really? Yeah. And yeah, as long as you kind of bulletproof your baby's diet and do what you can, <laughs> that's that's the best thing you could do. So I think for my last question for you, if a child is going through a particularly difficult time, you know you've done well so far, and they have to follow a, a different type of diet, mm-hmm. would you recommend the rest of the family follow suit just to support? Should everyone make that change? perhaps they're yeah they're all dairy intolerant in the family Mm -hmm. well I think that's difficult I think I would always be recommending that um your baby eats as similar diet to you as possible so you know we've said less the sugar less the salt there's some fish like shark swordfish and marlin that Mm. babies shouldn't really have which thankfully Um, we don't really get in the UK no absolutely exactly (laughs) and pregnant women shouldn't have those yeah also honey is not recommended till babies are one so there are a few foods that need to be limited in baby's diet I don't think we covered all of them earlier but yeah because honey is sugar again and yeah absolutely it's very deceptive for people completely but honey also um, contains a type of bacteria that can actually cause infant botulism which is incredibly rare but quite serious so um, the UK advice is not to offer honey before one Mm. Um, and lots of parents say to me oh but can I give them maple syrup and agave and I'm like no that's still an added sugar so please try and keep that off the menu as well as long as possible and they don't they don't really need it what about birthday parties I mean what amazes me is um, when children are growing up it must be so difficult because even if your child's just two years old Mm. They probably avoiding. don't. Yeah, mm. avoiding that amount of sugar at other people's places. It's a tough one. It's, I have to say it's <laughs> one we're going all. through at the moment, really, because, you know, Rafi is starting to be very aware now of, you know, he ne- he hasn't been up until now, but he's starting to be aware of what other children are eating and thinking, oh, why haven't I got that? So, um, you know, it does get difficult. But I, what my advice to parents would be, and actually I said this to someone this morning, think about what they're eating the majority of the time because that's... That's what matters. So if they go to a um, a party and they have cake and crisps and you're going, ah, they've never <laughs> had that before. Just remember that it is what they eat the majority of the time. And also in terms of their patterns of eating, what they see you eating day to day and what they eat as part of their diet with you day to day is going to have the biggest impact. Yeah. So you don't need to overly restrict. At, you know, sometimes overly restricting can actually have the opposite effect. Um, but if we're able to kind of look at, you know, put it into context what have they eaten this week and if they've had a bit of cake at a party don't worry about yeah. it um you know obviously you want to be in in control as much as you can and you know we are really starting to get to the point you know where Rafi's at nursery and all the other kids have shreddies and he still has Weetabix and he's mm. starting to be like no I'd, I'd quite like the shreddies now and I'm like <laughs> oh all my hard work but you know he's not there too often no. and we've compromised at the moment so he has Weetabix and then he'll have some sprinkles on top so it might be shreddies or it might be um, rice crispies I'm not saying there's anything really wrong with them but the Weetabix is a better option it's lower in sugar it's yeah. lower in salt and it's higher in fibre and it's got more nutrients again deceptive <laughs> but if you compare the back of the packs you'll you'll start to notice yeah this. Completely, completely right well, sorry that... I waffled on on that no, one no you <laughs> didn't at all because I think it's going to be so useful for everyone to hear your experiences just as much as as the standard advice that we must give but questions from our listeners so Elaine has got one for you so she has said I go back to work when my baby is six months and I want to start weaning before would this be safe well 
Well, that's a good question. It depends on what age your baby. I, I yeah. don't know what age um, you, you said before six months, but I'm not sure what age you're thinking to start. It depends on um, so many factors. Um, you know, was your baby born prem? Was is your baby born on time? Um, you know, how early was your baby? Um, have you seen any of those signs for readiness? Because ultimately, I'd always be saying to a parent, if your little one can't hold themselves up, hold their head and neck steady, reach out and pick up foods and pop it in their mouth, and if they've got a really big tongue thrust reflex I would be saying they're not going to be ready for solid food so it's not ideal to start just yet um yeah. it's really hard because sometimes parents will say oh, I'm going on holiday do I wait because I'm going away for a month do I wait or do I start before um you know and ultimately you need to just check when your baby is ready when they're showing you those signs that they're yeah. ready rather than timing it around life which I know is easier said than done <laughs> oh definitely especially when you're working alongside everything else completely um, oh this is an interesting one from Clarissa Mm-mm. Clarissa has said that yeah don't worry you've got this how important is it to remove the skins from fruit and vegetables mm. before giving it to babies good question um, mm. definitely early on I would and that's more to build up your confidence confidence as a parent as well as allowing baby to kind of show you um, you know a part of responsive feeding is allowing them to show you their own abilities so you can start to judge do you know what my baby's got this you know and it depends on the types of skin so so for example I would always say a cucumber you know their skin's pretty tough I would Mm. say remove that um, certainly in the early days of your little one things like pear again it can be tough to chew if you eat a pear sometimes I'll get the skin or kind of get stuck in the back of my mouth a little bit so Anything that is a bit tough, fibrous, might be difficult for a baby who is simply learning Mm. how to chew to break down. I'd say remove it initially and just see how your baby gets on. You know, your baby will start to develop that kind of ability to bite and chew and and start to grind food down as they move through the weaning journey. They'll copy you. Mm. And as soon as they start to get that ability, then you can start to, to offer the kind of skin on again, especially once they've got a few teeth as well, which come around six months usually. Very important. And Veronica's added, um, which is something we we definitely should touch on, choking hazards. Mm, I mean, how aware should I be and what size size food am I giving my child? (laughs) Well, I mean, again, I could be here all day talking this, but when it comes to, first of all, I'd say anything can be a choking hazard, okay? So some people are really funny on like, that's a choking hazard, that's a choking hazard. My son genuinely choked on some watermelon. Wow! <laughs> Eating a big chunk of watermelon, he was about he was about one. Um, luckily, was being held at the time by a nurse who that could not have him been out, and I was nowhere near the scene, so I have no idea. So all good, <laughs> but yeah, lots of things choking. So in the UK, we recommend no whole nuts. We recommend no whole grapes until baby is five. You can offer ground nuts, nut butters, and you can slice um, grapes quartered lengthways. Um, and give those to baby fine um but those are some of the things hard sweets as well are going to be difficult anything like raw apple raw carrot is going to be a choking hazard in the early days but again it's about building your confidence on what your baby can do start soft i normally say with veggies you want to start with them being the roughly size and shape of an adult finger so baby can grasp it and just have a little bit pointing out at the top that they can then help and would feed you part cook to. it so it's softer so you would absolutely veg, yeah. cook i i actually have would say in the early days 
overcook. Mm. So don't worry too much about the fact that you're losing nutrients. Yeah. This is not about nutrients. This is about getting them used to the process yeah. of eating. So I normally say with those first veggies, cook them so that they don't have bite. You want them to be super soft so that you can squidge them between your finger and thumb. And if you can squidge them between your finger and thumb in those first few weeks and months of weaning, that's ideal until your baby starts to develop what we call the pincer grip, which is around nine months where they can actually pick things up with their finger <laughs> and thumb themselves. And once they've done that and they've mastered kind of chewing ability, they will, um, they'll then start to be able to take on slightly harder foods, but all babies different go at their pace what a journey a baby goes on eh? really, you're probably year. thinking right now oh my god where do I even start but I promise it will all just come it totally will all naturally. just fall into place at least I'll have lots of squishy peppers which I love yeah adore all of skin those skin off peppers would be skin good to begin peppers. with yeah there we go and um, the last question is from Sadie and she said is there a ratio of what food groups should be in your baby's diet Good question. Mm, These are good. I'm loving the listeners today. (laughs) I've done a post on this before. Um, Yes, so ultimately, you don't, we're not feeding babies uh, based on the Eat Well guide, Um, but looking at food groups is important. So once baby, I normally say once baby's established on three three meals a day, they've had their first foods, they're starting to really eat, you know, mini meals, then it's ideal to start thinking about balancing those foods. So I would normally say on a plate, try and include something like a veg or a fruit something like a carbohydrate um and that can be white or, or brown or whole grain, but vary that. So you don't want it all to be fibrous and all to be whole grain. And then a protein or iron-rich food alongside. So it might be something, let's say, like bread um, with some egg and some pepper fingers, just as a little example. Um, so try and vary. Remember, fat's important in your baby's diet too. Um, and so you can cook in oil. If you're making food so baby, you can absolutely cook in oil. You can add things like cheese or yogurt or full-fat dairy into baby's food as long as they're not allergic to it but ultimately a veg a protein and a carb trying to include those at each meal perfect perfect <laughs> perfect well i hope this has set everybody up and we're now going to move on to the fact or fiction round Oh yeah, I've messed this up last time. No, you didn't. I did. I kept saying, I kept saying fact or fiction, and then we'd have to go back. So fingers crossed, I get it right this time. All right, are you ready? (laughs) I'm ready. Okay, eggs are safe for babies to eat when cooked. Fact: Cow's milk can be given to babies as a drink. Not until twelve months. So fiction. Babies don't need three meals a day. Fiction. And is that just because you want to feed them frequently? or? Yeah, I mean, it, it varies. Some some babies <laughs> will maybe need feeding a little bit more than that. But ultimately, getting them into the kind of routine we have is ideal. Some babies will be like, no, I want five. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, again, it's going at baby's own pace. But uh, but uh, three meals a day is a, is a good starting off point. There we go. Salt and sugar is okay in baby foods. Fiction. <laughs> it can take at least 10 times for your baby to get used to foods. Fact. Sometimes more. There you go, yeah. Perseverance, everyone, perseverance. Gluten should be avoided for all children. Fiction. Thank you. Babies naturally prefer sweeter tastes. Fact. You can only introduce new foods to your baby every three days. Fiction. Only with allergens. Okay. (laughs) Tap water is dangerous for babies. Fiction. (laughs) From six months, you don't have to boil and cool it. You can offer it straight from the tap. Brilliant. If your baby eats well, they will sleep well. Fiction. 
Ooh, not yeah. necessarily. Absolutely. I mean, there is some research that suggests that if babies eat a really well balanced diet during the day and they get their three meals, they get enough energy during the day. They don't necessarily need to wake up for night feeds. Doesn't always work that way, you know. No. Sometimes babies <laughs> wake for so many reasons: comfort. Um, you know, maybe they just had a funny feeling. Maybe they're tired. Maybe Could they're cold. Hot. Maybe they've been to the toilet. Like yeah. a million different things. <laughs> so yes, food can play a role. And if baby is getting enough calories during the day, then they essentially is no reason for them to need to wake during the night after six months of age but that's not always the case you know baby no. Rafi still wakes sometimes during the night now like he might have a nightmare you know he's two and a half but he has a nightmare or you know the other day he was asleep with a pillow on his head and he woke up and must have just been like what's happening and just screamed Aww. for me so you know I promise you they don't always sleep through the night oh my heart <laughs> <laughs> Charlotte that was a brilliant fact or fiction round um, good I'm pleased I smashed it that you, time you did smash it this time we've had practice that was great that does wrap up the episode but we're going to finish with our food for thoughts today so I think I will start by probably saying that having a baby and bringing them up it's it's going to be a challenge um it's not going to be easy and I think as we've discussed if you are organized as much as you can be amidst Mm -hmm. the chaos and patient I think patience is something that's really stuck out to me from Mm -hmm. today's episode that's going to help. And I think there's a concept or an idea that's glamorized, especially on social media now, this fuss-free feeding time where everything's perfect, mm. everything's in harmony. Mm. I think if you just try and remember that it is a process, it's a big learning process Completely. for your child to go through all of that and acknowledge the time rather than being hurried or even overthinking the nutrition. Mm. Yeah, Completely. Completely. Because this drives you mad as yeah, a parent. I think it was it would be something I would have to consider that would probably drive me mad that I'll have to really work on. So I just encourage your baby mm-hmm. to enjoy food. And Isn't I think something it? that stuck out for me was Charlotte's real emphasis on try and eat together, mm. make it a fun thing, a positive mm. aspect of life. Um, mm. But that would be my little take-home message from today's episode. Mm. So Charlotte, if you could leave our listeners with a food for thought, one thing okay. you think will help. Oh, God, so many things. I think... Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, there's so many things. I think a cup, just a couple of things, like I say. First of all, I would say your confidence is really key. You know, I do get this sounds like an awful lot, but but it's really just about learning. Remember, you're learning, they're learning, you're learning together. You're not going to go wrong. You know, it's all about just l- going through that journey with themselves and building your confidence. So do a bit of reading beforehand, get your confidence up, and it can make all the difference. And the second thing is really what you said, you know, I did, I haven't emphasised it enough during this, this podcast, but have fun with it. Mm. The more that you have fun and the more that you make a mealtime environment an enjoyable place to be, do you know what? The more A, your baby will want to be there and B, the more they will love their foods. Mm. So enjoy the time. Try not to stress. Try not to put pressure on mealtimes. Enjoy it. What about music? That just yeah. popped in my head then. Yeah. So I thought, oh, I'll Definitely. have a musical dinner time. Calming. Make that make yeah. that mealtime just fun and enjoyable. Yeah. Honestly, even if your baby's not eating, you know, you getting stressed and sitting there being like, come on, please try it, please, please, please. All that's going to do is have the opposite effect. So if they're not eating, okay, fine, I'll sit back. Let's put some nice music on. Let's chill. I'm going to eat my food in front of you. I'm going to smile at you. You know, make it enjoyable because I promise you it makes all the difference in the world. That's a wonderful food for thought. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I loved it. 
If you enjoyed this episode, you're going to absolutely love what's coming next week. So make sure you click subscribe to be the first to hear it. And please do leave a five-star review. It really does help to get this podcast out there so that we can reach higher highs in the charts and hopefully be able to help more people. For more information about my nutrition clinic, books, healthy recipes, events, retreats, and so much more, please visit retrition.com and follow me at retrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>